Welcome to the Riverdale Writers' Room, a fan-made podcast where two girlfriends compete head-to-head to predict the series finale of Riverdale before it airs. Together, we will embark on a three-phase journey wherein we'll re-watch the series, write our own version of Season 7, and then compare our creations to the real deal. Is Riverdale truly unpredictably campy? Or can we successfully hack into the psyche of the writers? Join us as we try to conjure the spirits within the real Riverdale Writer's Room. There is no single way to tell a story. Or it's to write your own version of the ending. In whatever style you choose. Best story wins. Challenge accepted. Welcome to Season 7 Predictions. We made it to the next phase. Finally. So we are entering phase two slash three, but phase two is titled Forsyth's Foresight. We're basically doing our little planning moment, doing our predictions, going through our Riverdale bingo. So we have 24 items each, and then we're going to have five major moments that we are committing to writing into our series. Um, including an idea for our finale, some musical episodes. We've uh, got a lot going on for tonight, even possible episode titles for the future. I don't know. Should We should just get into it. Okay, yes. So should we do the bingo first? Go yes. through our bingos? Okay. Yeah. So if you haven't already, please check out our social media. I'm going to be posting this on Instagram and on Twitter. I have made some beautiful templates for all of you to make your own Riverdale bingos and play with us. They're truly gorgeous. It's a piece of art. Every single one. Yes. So find us on Instagram, I believe is Riverdale Writers Pod. Mm -hmm. And on Twitter, we are Riv Writers Pod. If all else fails, you can email us at RiverdaleWritersPod at gmail.com and we'll send you the link. We'll send you some PDFs for you to pick from. Yes. JPEGs, whatever. Please interact with us. We love talking to all of you. We love seeing the comments. Also, leave us a review. Leave us a review. Give us five stars. Share this podcast with your friends. Indoctrinate them into <laughs> the camp glory that is Riverdale. Too many people are doubters out there. <laughs> Soon they'll realize we were right all along. It's only a matter of time. This has like Twin Peaks potential. All right. Who wants to go first for the Riverdale bingo? I think you should go first. Why? Well, you gave me a sneak preview of like a couple of items. And I've just been building anticipation ever since because they were so good. And you gave me like middle shelf. You didn't give me the top shelf. You didn't give me the bottom shelf. You gave me the middle. So I know that there's better ones. And I, those were the ones that you gave me were already so good. Fair enough. I will <laughs> go through my 24 bingo items in no particular order of importance or favoritism or anything. Okay. Number one, Archie will have a baseball bat at some point. He's going to go after someone as usual. Yeah. <laughs> How many times were ba- was the word baseball in our notes from seasons one through six. They were all Archie with the baseball bat. Every single time. At least 
six times. There was a brief moment where Cheryl had a baseball bat, I believe, in season six. Mm-hmm. We saw the aftermath of that on their TikTok. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, number two, Betty is going to unlock a door with a bobby pin. Oh, that's a good one. That's really good because that's so true. Her bobby pin is a trope. Why didn't I think of that? Number three is a phallus reunion. Oh. I'm really holding out for Skeet to show up. Number four is a Ras cameo. <gasps> I want Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa to physically be <laughs> in the show. He has a place named after him. The very least he could do is be a waiter at Cucina Sacasa. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's his place. It's the next uh, step. That is really good. <laughs> uh, that's a wish list item for me now. Next, I have CIA LSD experiments. Oh. This is a real thing the CIA did in the 50s where they would just randomly dose people with LSD and then observe from a distance. They also had volunteers and stuff like that, but... I'm sure they had volunteers. <laughs> there were a lot of unwilling participants in that one. Oh my god. And Betty kind of foaming at the mouth in the trailer gave me that idea. Interesting. My next item, number six, is a laugh track only Jughead can hear. Oh, okay. That's kind of a wish list item as well. That would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is a Jughead birthday party because okay. we are confirmed having a Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Jughead is a Scorpio. It's close to Halloween. Fair enough. Next is a brand new long lost sibling. So not Charles, not mm-hmm. Hermosa, Uncle Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I want someone brand new, maybe like a Varchi shared sibling or Ooh. something really gross and weird. Okay. A Western-themed episode? I have more to say on this later. Okay. But I will say that it is probably the only genre that Riverdale hasn't touched yet. Hmm. I think you might be right. There are probably a few others, but no. They've done a lot. (laughs) (laughs) My next one is a little doubtful because of how season six has been filmed, but I'm holding out hope. For a Dylan Sprouse guest star. Oh. <laughs> Do you hope for him to be like a Jughead doppelganger? Yeah, something like that. I don't really care what he does as long as he's in it. What if they like swap them out as actors for the same character the way that they did when they were kids? That would be so funny. What if like Dylan Sprouse just replaced Cole Sprouse just from now on? <laughs> <laughs> That would be definitely interesting. I wouldn't be mad at it, is all I'm saying. (laughs) Up next. Afterlife with Archie. Mm. I know that Ras has officially said that they are not doing Afterlife with Archie. However, I don't trust that man, number one. (laughs) Number two, he said that in December, and that was before The Last of Us came out and was a huge success. Mm. So I've been thinking the reason maybe they wouldn't touch it is because it's a little bit too COVID-y. It's a little bit too reminiscent of a pandemic, if you will. But it seems like that doesn't matter to people in the context of watching something. Yeah, 
as long as it's not like a viral pandemic, people are okay with it, you know? I don't know if that's the case. I think it's just maybe watching something that they can relate to, but on a worse scale. Like, well, at least we didn't have a zombie apocalypse. I guess. I don't know. But wasn't there that one thing in early Pando moments where it was like, I forget what it was called, but it was something like, it was not contagion, but it was something like that, where it was just like a pandemic sort of thing that was just too topical. And that was weird. But maybe we're far enough removed now that people don't care anymore. Yeah, maybe. And also, I think there might be a new Evil Dead movie coming out. Don't Mm -hmm. quote me on that. The Walking Dead is back on Netflix. Everyone is rewatching that. So I think zombies are in. And I think Rask loves to capitalize on things that are in. Yeah. I've noticed he likes to play a lot of songs from musicals that are currently trending or are currently on Broadway. Probably things he sees on the internet or has seen as an audience member recently. Okay. He draws a lot of inspiration from around him, basically. And Afterlife with Archie is his baby. So. It is, yeah. It was his first foray. Well, I mean, not his first, but it was his first sanctioned foray into the Archie comics. Yeah, and I'll explain how we'll get to Afterlife with Archie later. Yeah, I need to know that. Uh, next up, there is a Veronica hookup. Okay. That's a wish list item. Why I, would you yeah. make them seem both bisexual and then change the times? Literally disappointing we're all asking that same question my next item is abigail still haunts the doll (laughs) stop that's hilarious next one is sisters of quiet mercy conversion therapy okay (laughs) (laughs) my next one is a thinly veiled polio covid vaccine comparison Mm. This is the year when the polio vaccine really comes out and is widely available. Yeah. It happens in the first part of the year. So theoretically, they would have gotten their polio vaccine like before the end of the semester of their sophomore year or whatever. And now they're vaccinated going into junior. Next up, Jughead visits nuclear testing site. Hmm. I just think that if we're in the 50s, we have to do something with the Manhattan Project. Yeah. I mean, they're so close. Isn't Riverdale like canon in upstate New York? Yes. There you go. Don't they test in like Nevada in the 50s in the desert? Oh, am I dumb? Did I think the Manhattan Project literally meant that it was, like, near Manhattan? Well, they can't explode the bombs. Well, <laughs> no, but I thought that, like, that's where they were meeting to do the research. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know either. Listen, I bought Smart Food White Cheddar Popcorn after seeing it three times in Riverdale, knowing that the advertisement worked on me. So I'm a fool. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> This one's a good one. Are you ready? Uh Yes. (laughs) A Cliff Montgomery joke. Another one? Yes. Granted, this is pre-accident, Cliff Montgomery, so I don't know what the joke will be. Maybe it'll be a bending of the timeline. Maybe Cliff Montgomery will get in an accident in 1955 instead. You know what? 
how I think it's going to present itself. Please tell me. Um, you can't change yours. Okay. Um, and I can't add it to my list because this is already too late. However, I think it's going to come up as a name drop from Veronica. Her former co-star, Cliff Montgomery, or something like that. You're probably right. If she does that, do I still get a point? We can each get a half point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. I'm, I took it the next step. <laughs> Fair enough. For those of you who do not know, Ras has used a Cliff Montgomery joke three times, I think. I think he did it once in Riverdale already. Mm-hmm. Season one. He did it in Glee, I'm pretty sure. I can't confirm that it's him, but the fact that it's in Riverdale and also Sabrina yeah, makes it feel like that's Ross. And Ross was a writer on Glee. And I think it was during like the sixth season of Glee during which he does have a writing credit. Right. And the joke always goes, oh, you look like Cliff Montgomery. And then they're horrified. And then they say, before the accident. Right. As if teens know who cliff montgomery is Mm -hmm. did you know who cliff montgomery was? i did not exactly that's ras's fingerprint Mm -hmm. next are you ready (laughs) lay it on me shooting at pops but (laughs) there's been like five you're right (laughs) that's like such low-hanging fruit not like in a bad way but it's so obvious and i didn't even think about that I had such a hard time coming up with my Riverdale bingo things. They're not as good as yours. I'm just going to say that now. Aw, I don't think that's true. I should have gone first to set the bar low. (laughs) (laughs) Please continue. That was a good one. This next one is something that I don't think Riverdale has the budget for, Mm. but it's a hope. (laughs) Okay. Fully animated scene. (sighs) Ah. Like fully in the style of the comics with them voice acting god that would be so beautiful if they could do that if they could pull it off that would be incredible it really would i don't know that they have the budget for that yeah next one is nana rose gets an official kill okay up until now she's only had implied kills number 21 cheryl kills julian oh the blossom curse one of them always has to die Mm -hmm. usually at the hands of the other Very true. Jughead notices recast characters. Hmm. So for that, I'm going to say maybe he recognizes Principal Featherhead as Warden Norton and notices that Midge is a new actress. Okay. This next one I'm particularly proud of. And I'm wondering if you also have it. Because I've been holding on to this for a long time. It's been in my secret scenes I want to write. And I moved it to bingo because it's short. Okay. I am envisioning a Shoney scene to 1950 by King Princess. <gasps> I do not have that, but that's really? beautiful. That's beautiful. <gasps> Why would he not do that? He better fucking do that. He better fucking do that. King Princess loves to feed the queers. I feel like she would sign off on that. Like, she would be like, sure, have the rights. I hate performing this song. It's been hundreds of times but use it for a gay shit (laughs) a gay scene listen they've gotten like imagine dragons and harry styles five sauce hs won harry styles though he wasn't sure that he could pull off a solo act but fair enough okay and my last one 
is weird comic book fantasy. Mm. So some kind of reference to the play that Rast did before he was actually involved officially with the Archie comics. And I'm going to count this as any reference to Archie being gay <laughs> by anyone for any reason, valid or not. <laughs> okay. Um, on that note, I'll get into mine. The first thing I put down, the first thing that I knew I wanted to do since like the the, the episode where they're in the cabin, um, a Jarchi kiss. Of course. Jughead and Archie have to kiss. They have to even the score. Like in that, and when they were in the cabin, they were like, hmm, Betty and Archie have kissed. Betty and Veronica have kissed. Um, Jughead and Veronica haven't kissed. And so they made them kiss to even the playing field. However, they did not complete the chart. <laughs> <laughs> Jughead and Archie have to kiss. They have to. <laughs> a kiss to save the world it's not queer baiting it's saving the world <laughs> a kiss to save the world maybe that's what they need to get back to their timeline maybe who knows okay the next th- this is also in no particular order the next thing betty and cheryl are gonna have a heart to heart over evil parents oh okay. i think they're gonna have a bonding moment because in the past they've been like really like distant and like kind of like you're the weird cousin. No, you're the weird cousin, you know? Um, but I think they're going to bond. Oh, my God. I just realized Cheryl is the gay cousin. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and Betty's a cousin confirmed with serial killer genes. So, yeah. They're, they're both pariahs. Um, this is a controversial one. None of the core four will end in ships. Oh, none of them? None of them interesting shoni will i believe they are endgame always but the rest of the core four i'll get more into that later um like you said i have julian gets murdered (laughs) (laughs) just julian gets murdered julian gets murdered okay not Not by by cheryl is there a murderer no okay i did not specify that it's funny that we both have that. <laughs> yeah. We're like, he has to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's obvious he's got to die. Um, the next one, Jughead and Jellybean have serial killer genes. Okay. Do you think Jellybean is in this universe? I've seen no sign of her. We haven't seen her, but that doesn't mean we won't hear of her. Okay. Do Wait, do people know what genes are in the 50s? Probably. I don't know if that's true. Was the science not there yet? Uh, the word gene uh, was coined by a botanist, Wilhelm Johansson, in 1909. Okay, but... Okay, DNA was discovered in 1953. So okay. we're barely cutting it. Okay. Next item. I also have a Veronica kiss. Okay. Um, so at the very least, they're going to kiss... IMO. I, I hope for more. <laughs> um, so the next one I have is that somebody is going to refer to Riverdale as a wicked little town. So they've done this both before and after doing the musical Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, so I think they're going to do it again. Okay, fair enough. That's a good one. Thank you. Um, I had a typo, but Veronica is Polly. 
Oh. But not Polly with two L's. <laughs> Polyamorous. Um, I think she's going to discover this about herself. Not necessarily during the 50s, but when they get back to their timeline or in the continuity part of it, I think she's going to discover that she can't just be with one person and that's okay. Um, Chick will return. Oh, I forgot to put Chick on here. <laughs> he is a survivor. Do, uh, yeah, he'll be there in like the finale or something. Yeah. He'll he's going to pop up like during some chaotic moments. He's going to be like the big bad yeah. of season seven for sure. He's got to be. Um, this is a deep cut. Josie's dad's murder is solved. Oh, <laughs> you think they're coming? I don't think they're coming back. I don't think they're coming back, but I feel like someone's just going to be like, oh my God, did you hear about Josie's dad? I don't know. It's a wishlist item. That's such a like loose end. That whole episode felt like pointless if they're not going to wrap it up. Toot sweet shows up. Toot sweet, yeah. I, that's how I had it phrased initially, actually. Oh, okay. But I changed it because I want to know if her dad was murdered. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kevin is going to get hate crimed. Aww. Sad face. <laughs> Although, <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, so he's going to get hate crimed. And then my next point is that he's going to go to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. <laughs> I specifically put Kevin goes to Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Okay. I left it open. I think Cheryl for sure is going there. Really? Maybe also Kevin. Well, let me just jump ahead on my list to a reason why I don't think Cheryl's going to do it. Okay. Penelope comes out as a lesbian. You think she's going to? I think it's going to be possible. In the 50s? I think it's possible. I think she might have like... A close female companion or something in her widowed era. Okay. She's she's still widowed, isn't she? Yeah. How are they going to explain Clifford's death? I hadn't thought of that. All I'm saying. Damn, I should have put that in somewhere. <laughs> um, anyway, so back to it. There will also be a lethal defenestration. Ooh. We haven't had a lethal one. We've only had a couple of lethal ones. But that's got to spice it up, you know? Um, and I'll give my specific reason for why I think it'll be lethal later. Um, Ethel is going to be a killer. Wow. Okay. She's already evil. We've (laughs) known this forever. She's evil, evil, evil. Um, and I think she's going to do a murder. I don't know that she's evil. She is annoying. I maybe conflate annoying with evil. (laughs) (laughs) But I think she's got a darkness that could be explored. Okay. Ski Ulrich returns. Nice. Um, I'm really holding out for that. Um, the gang smokes a doobie. <laughs> That's a real wish list item. It is a real wish list item. I want to see Jughead be so chill about it and everyone else like, well, man, I'm like so stoned. And Jughead's just like, okay. <laughs> like you're just vibing because that's his everyday existence. Um, so grown-up baby Anthony gets a solo. Like a singing solo? A singing solo. Okay. All right. I don't have much idea. I don't have very many ideas about how that's going to happen. But I just think it's really interesting to imagine this character that we only saw as a baby who everyone tried to murder become an adult who was gay. And I feel like he's going to have to get a solo, a musical song, to explain himself. 
Is he in the 50s? I don't think he's in the 50s. Okay. But I think he will be there later. Actually, he might be in the 50s, but not in the way that we think. I'll okay. explain later. All right. Um, I have Alice is a homophobe. Yeah. <laughs> expected. Kind of a given. Perhaps she's the one who does the hate crime. I don't know. <laughs> Alice is going to hate crime Kevin? I don't know. She, she <laughs> might find out. You're right. I think she. it's possible. <gasps> okay. She could out him. Either way, she is a homophobe, and I think that's going to be like a character arc for her. Okay. Um, Veronica is going to perform something from Beyonce, her catalog. Okay. She's tackled Gaga. She's tackled Patti Lapone. Beyonce is the next obvious diva. Um, Reggie will ask Veronica to do the backseat bingo. What is that? That's a 50s phrase. It's a slang from the 50s that means uh, have vehicular sex. Vehicular sex? Vehicular sex, yeah. Okay. Have sex in the backseat of a car. The backseat bingo. Is this why you were asking me if they drove cars or like when cars were invented? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I knew they had cars in the 50s. I was just trying to know like when like teenagers would have started having their own cars. Oh, Like when they were so widely available that theoretically a parent and their child could have a car. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. I also have that Archie plays baseball, in parentheses, justify the bat. Okay, but we see in all the promos him playing basketball. You think he's doing both? I think he's going to try. Okay. Um, Maybe he gets kicked off the team or something. I don't know. We both have Archie and something with baseball. He's got to, I mean, even if they play like recreationally for fun at like in like a yard, he's going to play baseball at some point. America's pastime. It's the 50s. I think he's going to play... Perhaps not at the school, but like a la Twilight. You know what I mean? Um, Funny that you put Jughead and Nukes because I have Jughead target of the Riverdale Red Scare. Oh, okay. His talk of time travel, um, parallel dimensions. I think it's going to get him noticed. By the FBI? Perhaps they do have an office in Riverdale. (laughs) I really kind of think the CIA might take the place of the FBI this season. That's possible, yeah. I when really did the just, FBI get invented? I don't know. But I just know that the CIA did so much in the 50s. I feel like they're going to pop up somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my last one is that the gang will perform as the Archies. Cute. Yeah. Love that. They already did it in like their prime Riverdale timeline, I think it would be cute to see it in the 50s. Okay. So that's it for my bingo. I don't know why you said yours was less exciting. It was wonderful. I think yours are better. I, I love hearing yours. Aw. Stop. You stopped on me. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Yes. Do you want to go first? Okay, I will go first. I am so excited to share this with you. This is information I've been holding on for months please so let's see if we have a similar idea of how riverdale is gonna end okay are you gonna start with your finale and then work back i'm gonna work up to the finale this is kind of like all aspects okay of the finale not necessarily the last episode just like 
how things are going to wrap up. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Number one is also in my first episode, but I want to state it here. I think that the people you see in the promo are not the same as the real gang. I think Jughead is the only original person from his universe. And this is a parallel universe. And those are all people from that parallel universe. Hmm. Because why do they have memories of just living in the 50s? That's basically it. Okay. It's <laughs> um, an interesting take. I think Jughead needs to find the other people and bring them together into the correct universe. And I'll explain in my episode one what happened. Okay. Number two, this is something I really hope happens. I feel like it would really be good. I hope that they all become self-aware of being literal comic book characters and that all these alternate universes are just different issues of comics. I really want them to just like realize they're not real Mm -hmm. and then have to deal with the emotional (laughs) fallout of that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) That's funny that you say that. Is that something you have written down? Similarly. Similarly. To something I wrote. All right, next is, this is kind of something I'm visioning for the end. Mm -hmm. It's not super specific, but I kind of want Jughead to enter a room he's been warned not to go in. Maybe it's the bunker, maybe it's a different room, and then he goes inside and it's the bunker, and they get sealed in with a typewriter, (gasps) and he's stuck there forever. (laughs) (laughs) Could this be like a dream sequence, or do you want this to like actually be a part like one of the series of events i kind of want this to be a series of events like i kind of want him to sit down and write a new comic for everyone to be in wow and finally what i want the series to end with is a restart to the pilot i want it to be a perfect infinite cycle (gasps) riverdale's all about cycles it needs the ultimate cycle. Oh my god. That Back would be pilot. so good. <gasps> Holy shit. Okay. And my my fifth point is just some ideas that I have about where I got this inspiration, where I think Rass is coming from. Okay. Because these are all from a Stephen King series or inspired by it. Um, so Stephen King has this series called The Dark Tower. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um Starts off with the gunslinger, which is a very Western themed uh-huh. fantasy hero's journey in the post apocalyptic world. And a lot of things happen, but the important parts that I think hopefully Russ will put into the series is The Drawing of the Three, is one of the books. And I thought, well, Jughead needs to draw the other three in the core four. And those are kind of like the main character going into parallel universes and drawing out these people from doors. Mm. So I'm hoping he does that for Veronica, Archie, and Betty and kind of draws them out from hopefully Afterlife with Archie, comic book fantasy. I really want Betty or Veronica to be in the weird comic book fantasy universe where Archie is gay and have them and have the Veronica moment. oh okay because archie's unavailable right so naturally if he's not there for them to fight over who's who else is there besides them right and 
the main point of the series is that the gunslinger, which in my explanation would be Jughead, is looking for the tower and also the man in black for the first episode, which could be Hiram. I'm not sure. Mm. They did refer to him as the man in black. The man in black also does a tarot card reading for him where he draws the tower. And when I saw in season six, Cheryl get the tower card, I felt like maybe I was really onto something. Okay. Um, Another point is just that this is self-referred to on Stephen King's website as his magnum opus. Oh. So there's no way that Rast does not know about this. Yeah. And it also has a comic book adaptation. Rast did not do anything for the comic book adaptation of The Tower, but he did for The Stand, which is another Stephen King comic book series adaptation. He worked on that? He did. On The Stand, not The Tower. That's interesting. I didn't know that he did that. So that's where I'm coming from. Okay. That, this has been my big plan all along. Interesting. We're going in very different directions. Really? But also kind of similar. Okay. I don't know. Should I get into it? Yes, please. Okay. So number one. This has been something I've been ruminating on for months as well. So at the night of the comet, at the very last minute, Cheryl, as we know, is a witch. She also had all of these superpowers from a parallel universe. She, in her last dire moment, released a powerful spell of protection that is referenced in Sabrina. I have not finished the series yet, but I did get the spoiler. It's called a realm boundary spell. Um, on the town of Riverdale. Um, So it's so powerful that combined with her Phoenix powers, her other witchy like powers from like Hecate or whatever, and also the superpowers that she was gifted by the gang, um, she's able to kind of create or like lift the town of Riverdale basically into like a third dimension sort of thing, a pocket bubble universe that is built from their collective subconscious. Okay, like WandaVision? Kind of like WandaVision, yeah. And I don't think she was alone in this. I'll get into this with my episode one. Um, but I think that she like started this whole thing of like trying to protect the town that she sort of like embraced it in this bubble. Um, and to that end, this is the part that I've been trying so hard not to tell you for the past months, um, is that... Everything that was within the boundary spell that represented a person, both physically, the person themselves, and symbolically, for example, the Julian doll, the portrait of Hiram, etc., if they were physically or symbolically represented in Riverdale, they got pulled into this pocket universe. Wow. And so that's why I've known in the bottom of my heart that Hiram had to come back. Mark Consuelos could not hide forever. I knew they'd bring him into this. <laughs> um, so this is like where I've been coming from. Like it's it's a bubble built on everything from their like hopes and dreams to their fears and regrets. And it's a perceived fresh start in a time that like generally society heralds as like a time of innocence, you know? Only when they get there, they find out that it's not so innocent. Which brings me to my second point. That's just point one. That's just point one. <laughs> <laughs> These are very detailed. <laughs> I have like a paragraph for each point. Okay. Um. So point two, because the 50s Riverdale is made up of this collective consciousness, 
it's therefore also based on their collective memories um, and their experiences, their the lives that they've lived in Riverdale Prime, in Rivervale, etc. All the ones that they know about kind of are represented in this in this place. So <laughs> the events of their lives in Riverdale Prime will once again unfold in Riverdale 50s. Of course. So Hal will be the Black Hood. A Blossom sibling will be murdered. Ethel's going to do some shady shit, etc. And that's quickly going to reveal to them that they're not supposed to stay there. Like, I think everyone's just going to believe, like, that they are from the 50s, that this is just their life. But as things start turning left real hard or whatever, and, like, these weird events start piling up, um, just like it did in Rivervale, actually. You know, like how the events from each world started bleeding into the other. It's going to be the same sort of thing, I think. Another pocket universe. Except it's more based on, like, their histories. So, yeah, that's my second point. Number three, serial killer genes are sex-linked, is my theory. Um, They're passed down through the mother. They can be represented or, like, present in a person in varying degrees. So Betty has the genes, even though Hal doesn't have them because her mom has them. And I think Polly doesn't have the genes, but Jason must. And Polly must be a carrier because they clearly pass them down to the twins. So I think Nana Rose has the genes. <laughs> um, I think Jughead and Jellybean have it. But for Jughead, it's presented very mildly. For Jellybean, she's got it bad. I think Archie has the genes. I think he has them at a medium level. Veronica does not have them. She was racked with guilt upon killing her dad. That's not the skin of a killer, Bella. <laughs> um, she has a significant kill count for a core four member, though. She does? However, I do think she feels guilty about them. I mean, her whole, like, thing in season six, her whole superpower was, like, that she's toxic. She had to do a lot of reflection on her toxicity and, like, her danger, the threat that she poses to others. And I don't think she likes that she is like that. So I don't think she has the genes. I think that she's just predisposed to violence because of her life. I don't think she likes to be a violent person. You thought she got the venom power because she's a toxic person? That was your interpretation of it? Yeah. That's so interesting. My interpretation was just she killed her husband and therefore she's like a black widow and is spidery and poisonous. Well, I thought that was just like one way to demonstrate that she's a toxic person. Okay. People around her die. That's interesting. Because she's toxic. I never thought about that. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to say that Reggie has it mildly. Kevin does not have it. He does not have the genes. I think Ethel has it bad. Kevin Keller would be at the top of my serial killer genes list, personally. <laughs> I think he just is so nothing that he can't have it. And maybe that's just my bias against him. Okay. Kevin Keller haters in this house only. Um, <laughs> I think Dilton has it mildly. Um, I could go through every character and tell you whether or not I think they have it based on these parameters, but I will stop here. The town is steeped in blood and always will be, is something I wrote down. So oh. <laughs> the drama. Um, <laughs> I was really in a groove when I wrote this. Number four, the heart of Riverdale that we have been teased and discussing for so long since season one, as it turns out, has been Jughead all along. He's kind of literally the heart of Riverdale. He's been the narrator of the series. He's also the writer of the comics in the bunker in Rivervale. 
He's also the writer of the Super Teens, like his surface person in Rivervale wrote the Super Teens. Bunker Self wrote whatever it was that like kept Rivervale afloat. And I think he's going to have to do with the Pep comics in the 50s. I think there could be like a second Jughead or like maybe that's Dylan Sprouse or whatever. Maybe that's Rass. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> Rass. Yeah, who knows? I think there's, there's going to be another like writer type. I think because he's the heart, it's possible that a heart will have to stop beating. However, hearts can also be resuscitated. And I think that that's going to be a pivotal concept for the season. Another Jughead revival? I think. <laughs> Another I think, one? I think every single hard reboot of the like Archie characters comes from whatever heart of that version of the series has to die in order for the soul of Riverdale to be rebooted. They're all the heart of Riverdale, the soul of Riverdale. But I think in this story, it's Jughead. So like in the comics, it was Archie. The original comics, it was Archie. But there's also like the Betty and Veronica ones, etc. Um, number five, the end games are unclear. I think that we're going to get hints. But it's like different in every timeline. The, all the characters, I think, are all soulmates with each other. Like no matter what, they will like have to be together but i wrote that they realize in the end the real end game was friendship all along (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think they're they're gonna imply certain um certain end games for me i think it's gonna be bughead veggie not um varchi although i do prefer varchi over veggie but i think veggie is gonna be a better match for the end of the season shoni kangs and i think we're gonna maybe see archie and tabitha weird yeah i guess we have to try them all i guess we have to try that's them all. the reboot right yeah every combination every combination no matter how absurd exactly um so i think that there's going to be like certain implied couplings but at the end of the season i don't think we're going to have a hard answer barchi or varchi i don't think we're gonna that's not the point of the show and i think that we're gonna see moments of both and other couplings but I don't think that that's going to matter. So my final thought, my finale thought, is that like you said, <laughs> how you kind of had this idea that Jughead has to keep writing comics because they become self-aware. I think to an extent, they're going to realize that they are fake. <laughs> oh, um, you have the same thing. That kind they of. <laughs> are re- like they realize they're made up yeah okay well to an extent i don't i didn't i don't have it in those words exactly but i have that like after all that they've gone through they realize that like it's all just storytelling it's all come down to storytelling like jughead has created versions of their universe by writing comic books and he has to continue to do that and as long as he can write their story stays alive you know there's not really an end to this group of people as long as our uh, jughead can write a version of them it really does feel like we are hinting towards jughead being a mastermind of Mm -hmm. the universes maybe like jughead's all the way down like every universe is a jughead in another universe writing um but that's so interesting and i don't know if you noticed this i did did you see that the finale poster is a comic it says like 75 cents and (gasps) the one that is the background of the Bingo board? Yes. I took out the comic parts because they messed with the title mm-hmm. a bit, but they're there. And that poster is designed to look like a comic. 
I didn't realize that. I feel like they're really hinting at something like this. Yeah. So. I didn't pick up on that, but I definitely feel like that supports our ideas. I think at some point they're just going to like know, you know. Um, I wrote something that I feel like I should say. Okay. As long as he can write, their story will never end. Sure, it may change and twist and turn, but ultimately their souls are unable to part. Just like how Heather witnessed Cheryl and Tony's souls intertwining in the jar. I think they are bound to one another platonically and romantically in alternating forms, but always together. So even if like their physical bodies die, like the souls of the characters are like a set group. They're a set pair of soulmates that will always be bound to find each other in any realm, any lifetime. Wow. That's beautiful. Thank you. I have a creative writing minor. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Cut that. Cut that. (laughs) I'm not a snob. I'm not going to cut it. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, let's just move on. Musical episodes. Okay. I think it's funny that we both have the same ideas, though. It is. It's very... It's just like... It feels like they're loading a breaking of the wall more than they already have. And you know what? Multiverse, multiple timelines, alternate universe um even like reincarnation and things like i think have been more popular in media recently and so i think that that would make sense for the show to end that way and to like keep that cyclical nature like you said so it's funny that that. we both want that like cycle to continue it's it just seems like the natural end yeah it does and for me the natural end is no end (laughs) just starting (laughs) over (laughs) i put Riverdale finale delivers unexpectedly high ratings, so they renew it one more time on my 2023 bingo. I'm that hopeful that they will continue this shit forever. <laughs> we love bingo in this house. We do. We love to gamble. <laughs> but with no stakes. True. Or? <laughs> no, there's, there's no stakes. <laughs> Loser buys winner dinner. Sure. <laughs> we already buy each other dinner all the time, but... That's true. Anyways... Should we go into our musical ideas or should we do our episode titles? Maybe our episode. Well, I don't know. I feel like they're both connected to the plots that we've come up with. Do you have an episode title that hints at your musical? No. Hold on. Actually, I think I may change one of my um, titles in the 11th hour. I'm going to get rid of one. I'm going to just change. I'm going to do that too. I'm going to change one of my titles. Which one are you changing out? Well, I'm changing it for the title of the musical. No, but like, which one are you getting rid of? The name? That you're getting rid of. That I had the, the title equals, so I got rid of that one. I'm going to have it said, I do know which musical I want. I do know which one I want for the title of the Halloween episode. And I know the title I want for the series finale. I just wrote my musical episode title. I forgot about it. I replaced The Truman Show, Mm. which I think is still very good, but I have too many finale-driven guesses here. Okay. I think that's the least likely one. Okay. Fair enough. So what's your musical? So my musical is, drumroll please, Waitress. Oh. Oh. Do you like to hear about my process? Yes. Please tell me. So I narrowed it down to rock musicals only. 
because that's mm. the only thing Ross has ever done. And that doesn't mean that he wouldn't do a non-rock musical, but I feel like it also is more entertaining for audiences. I think it's a better fit for a lot of the actors' voices to yeah. continue doing rock songs than it is to do like a more classic musical. Fair. I think Grease is too obvious, yeah. although I did think about that for a second. Um, I really was wrestling with Hades Town. I wanted to make it work. I wanted it to be like there are multiple Orpheus and Eurydices, and I want Lily to have a Eurydice song, mm. but it's just not a rock musical, and it's like a little bit just too 1920s jazz, I think, for Riverdale, unfortunately. Yeah. Although I would love that. And I, th- I was thinking like Palladium Mines mm. as like part of it. But I digress. Um, I limited it to rock musicals, musicals that I know of already. Okay. <laughs> like, so one. it has to be a level of popularity. There is an Evil Dead musical. Oh. But I don't think Ross would do that. Right. And so I landed on Waitress because it's pretty popular. Um, it's about a diner. Yeah. Riverdale is kind of about a diner. Mm -hmm. A lot of the songs have non-specific situations in them that could be used in other circumstances. And that's a key to a musical episode is we're not redoing the plot of the musical. We're using the songs from the musical to drive the plot of the Riverdale episode. Right. Because the Heathers episode was not about Heathers. Right. It wasn't the plot of Heathers. It was the organ harvesting cult <laughs> to the tune of heather's songs mm-hmm. so that's why i picked waitress okay that's really good and making me take back my musical <laughs> no um <laughs> i didn't really have as many parameters which i think you're right are important for making this decision the only parameters i had were had to be one that i heard of realistically be something that they would know in the 50s which is a stupid one because it's Riverdale like they could I I need to like rethink this but I'll tell you what I have for my options right now okay and I still want to keep this as a title perhaps okay but not the musical I had the Wizard of Oz oh okay that might actually that could be it like plot wise I feel like it makes a lot of sense so like Jughead would be like the Dorothy trying to get out of this like 50s Oz realm so obviously the Scarecrow Lion and Tin Man are the other three of the core four and Tabitha is the good witch guiding them through um so perhaps it's wicked actually (laughs) <laughs> I, did, I did think about Wicked, but I was like, no, like they wouldn't do that. But maybe they would. It is kind of like rock-ish. You know what? It would slap. It, <laughs> it would imagine slap. Betty doing, um, oh my God, Betty and Veronica. Like this, this is a scene that immediately just came to me. B and V in their whatever relationships they're in, doing a sex scene to as long as you're mine. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mostly their vocals. And then whichever, like, men they're with at the time. But maybe they're yearning for each other instead. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, perhaps it might be Wicked. I have to think about that, though. Um, but that was my train of thought initially. The Wizard of Oz, like, is just about, like, this being in an, a new realm and then trying to get out of it. And you know what? They are filming the Wicked movie right now, so it is relevant. 
exactly and oh also i've been seeing a lot of tiktoks because of the wicked movie i think um people have been going to the source text the wizard of oz i've been seeing so many tiktoks about the wizard of oz like how it was a nightmare film shoot like asbestos poisoning like the let the literal like what is it like mercury or some shit that like was in the tin man's paint and he just got sick and they had to replace him the literal lion costume it's been like all over the internet so i feel like that's why it came to mind wow the other also also sorry to interrupt it's okay lucy dacus night shift music video wizard of oz themed as well and she doesn't do irrelevant shit you're right i'm gonna make that my guess then it's gonna be wicked okay i love that i think it especially makes sense even though it's not a rock musical we all know we all know the women of the cast carry the fucking soundtracks and is there a name a better alphabet and glinda than betty and veronica i'll fucking wait i'll <laughs> fucking wait could you imagine a defying gravity okay that's my musical um the other ones i was considering were west side story i did consider that one i was gonna make it south side story <laughs> um, and then an alternative which is more like a modern musical with those like i don't know lyrical rock-ish sound um fun home oh okay and i i was gonna have that be about like betty's plot of discovering her dad's dark secret cheryl coming out as gay changing her major to joan blah 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 it was gonna be like that sort of i love that it would have been really fun it would have been really good, yeah. But I think Wicked is probably more thematically, like, on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might still change it. Right now, it's Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Let me know if it changes. I sure will. You'll be the first to know. So now moving on to episode titles. So the way we've decided to do this is since there are already five revealed episode titles, we are each going to name 18 episodes assuming that there's no break and we get 22 episodes this season. And that gives us a fair shot at getting them all right. However, I am aiming a lot of these at finale type of episodes, getting Mm -hmm. back to the future, etc. So in no particular order whatsoever, I did (laughs) not organize these at all. Number one is Life with Archie, Mm. which is the classic comic. Number two is East of Eden. Mm which is a James Dean movie. And since we're going to mention him by name, maybe we will watch his movie at the drive-in or something. Okay. Also, it's like East of Eden. It's like slightly away from paradise, away from where we are currently. Number three is Stranger Than Fiction, which is a movie featuring a protagonist who can hear an author narrate his actions in his head. Oh my God. Is that the one that they show in English class? Yeah. I loved that movie. I love that one too. Number four is Practical Magic. Mm. I think we're going to see a lot of supernatural stuff. Number five is Waitress, of course. Mm-hmm. It's, the name of the, it's the name of the musical, but it's also the name of the movie that the musical is based off of. So it's fair game. I forgot to mention that if you don't already know, every Riverdale episode in existence. With the exception of one or two. I think very minorly they've been changed. All the episode titles are based on other books, other movies, 
mostly movies mostly mm-hmm. niche weird films cinema cinema yeah. you know Ross is a film bro we can definitely figure that out he's nothing if not a film bro that's so true but anyway number six i've titled the halloween episode halloween (laughs) beautiful i know the halloween episode is like episode 12 i think but number seven is be right back which is from black mirror it's one of the black mirror episodes and i already know that ras likes black mirror because he's had multiple references to san junipero yeah the series the next one is Archie Vision, which is a play on WandaVision. Mm-hmm. I was inspired by the Scarlet Witch, of course. You I like a that. smile like maybe you also got that one. It was something I considered. Okay. I also have Into the Archieverse, oh, like Into the Spider-Verse. That's a good one. <laughs> I've got Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. And this one. This one is a crime that it hasn't already been an episode title, but I'm a cheerleader literally yeah we have a lesbian cheerleader and we haven't used that title it would it's the it's low-hanging fruit derogatory (laughs) the next one is the last of us okay the next one is catching fire oh a little hunger games reference in it you're telling me russ isn't rewatching the hunger games like everyone else no he's having a renaissance i believe (laughs) in my soul he's reading he is rereading, rereading PETA's games. Yeah. <laughs> and these next two are references to the Tower series because I want to put extra points on them because I just think it would be crazy if I got any of it right. The drawing of the three and the Tower. Next is what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Next one is Back to the Future. Of course. Obviously. Yeah. And my finale... I've decided to title Endgame. <gasps> Avengers. Okay, okay. Um, did you have 18? Yes. You did math wrong. 17 plus 5. That's 22. Yeah. Not 18 plus 5. Oh, I have to get rid of one? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to get rid of... I guess I'll get rid of what we do in the shadows. Okay. I do think that one's a good one, but... Fair enough. Now that we're on even footing, um, (laughs) here are my 17 titles. In no particular order. Number one, If It Bleeds, which is a short story by Stephen King about like some detective journalist type beat. Number two, obviously Back to the Future. Number three, A Many Splendored Thing, which I don't know about if it holds up. I just think it's a good title. That's another caveat. I don't necessarily know these things. I haven't watched them all. I haven't read them all or listened to them all. It's only here if I like the title. (laughs) Um, Anyway, this next one is a play on an Oscar-nominated, perhaps Oscar-winning film of this past year. I don't know. I don't watch Oscars. I watched Cocaine Cocaine Bear that night. All Quiet on the South Side Front. (laughs) (laughs) number five (laughs) the place beyond the pines number six only lovers left behind number seven america has a problem in all caps 
um, which is a song, of course, off of Beyonce's Renaissance. That, that is too good. That's exactly what they would do. <laughs> and you know that Ras loves, he loves, absolutely loves a diva. I don't doubt that he listened to Renaissance and is obsessed with it. Um, I, however, have not really listened to it. But I think that's a great title. <laughs> Number eight, The Edge of Seventeen. Oh, okay. Number nine, El Sueño Falso, which is a title of a, a the first season finale of Los Espookies. Oh, okay. Um, El Sueño Falso, if for some reason you've never heard Spanish before, means <laughs> <laughs> the fake dream. Keep that in mind. Number 10, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, okay. 11, my musical, Wicked. Number 12, my Halloween episode, Scream. Oh. It features Skeet Ulrich, the original ones, and also the new one. He's in it. Um, for my next one, I also did an ep- or I also did the Last of Us reference, but a specific episode title. Long, long time. Oh. If you know, you know. That's the episode with Bill and Frank. Is that a Shoney episode, maybe? Mayhaps. Uh, 14, 3,000 years of longing. 15, so cold the river. 16, stories we tell. And then my series finale, everything, everywhere, all at once. Wow. Oh, okay. That's a little on the nose, but I, of course, had to do it. So um, it's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen, probably. It's all good. Anyway, those are my episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Did we have any overlap? Back to the Future. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. You didn't put a Hunger Games, did you? No. Did you think about it? I did, but I don't know. I thought Catching Fire was very specific. Maybe, but also there are a lot of fires in Riverdale, <laughs> and the presence of Hiram suggests more fires. That's very opinion. true, in your defense. That makes a lot of sense. Hiram loves to firebomb things. He really does, yeah. I also thought about putting, but I'm a cheerleader. I really thought about it, but ultimately, I think I had to switch it out for a long, long time. Mm. I thought long, long time was like thematic in a gay way, but also in like a timeline sort of way a yearning sort of like uh for the right timeline i don't know i felt like it like was more broad (laughs) okay all right so the only thing left we have is our plots for episode one Mm -hmm. and just as a rundown here to tell all you lovely listeners what the parameters are for our episode predictions so we'll come back to you with a specific point system next week once we actually have something to compare to our predictions but generally we're going to still get points for things that happen later so if we say something in episode one that happens in episode two for example we can still get some points for that there might be a slight deduction for accuracy there but this is just to keep us from writing the same thing every week. Mm-hmm. Although that would be kind of funny. But <laughs> <laughs> I want us to do some new stuff every yeah. week, you know? And since we already have synopses for the first three episodes, 
we're kind of staying within the parameters of what we're fed ahead of time. Obviously avoiding spoilers so that we can come up with our most like genuine prediction. Yeah, so everything in the synopsis for synopsis? Synopsis? I said synopses. I don't know if that's correct. Everything that is confirmed to happen in episode one is a zero pointer. Mm -hmm. So let's review what is confirmed for episode one. Do you want me to read it? Yes, please. After coming together to stop Bailey's Comet, the gang finds themselves transported back to a simpler time, Riverdale, 1955. While Archie attempts to impress the new girl Veronica, a Hollywood starlet who just arrived at Riverdale High, Cheryl sees her as a threat and formulates a plan to take her down. Meanwhile, Tony, Tabitha, and Betty take a stand against Principal Featherhead after he stonewalls their attempts to write about the murder of Emmett Till. Isn't there also a finally? Oh, finally, (laughs) Jughead attempts to convince the gang they're from the future. Amazing. So we kind of have our plots separated into the different subplots. It's not going to be chronologically what happens in the episode, but it will kind of be what is going on with each character's plot line. Yeah. So without much further ado, shall I get into it? Yeah. So plot A is the Jughead plot. Ross has already confirmed in interviews that this is a Jughead heavy episode. So I'm classifying it as plot A. Okay. So in plot A, we open on Jughead narration, of course. He's typing on his little typewriter at Pops, and he comments about each character and how they're different. Everyone is going to be sad about James Dean because he dies in a car crash, which is what happened to Fred. So everyone's going to be kind of reliving that trauma, and that's why they're crying about a man they don't know. Or maybe they're just extra sensitive. I don't know. Um... So Jughead decides to get some rest. He's not getting out of the 50s for a while. So he retreats to the bunker, but it's not empty. Who's there? Why, none other than full-grown Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Grown-up baby Anthony is in the bunker. (laughs) He's immortal. That's where he was when the comet hit. Oh, you're right. (sighs) So Jughead explains to full-grown Anthony... Because full-grown Anthony has not left the bunker. His parents just disappeared in front of him, and he got really scared. He just (laughs) stayed there. (laughs) Full-grown baby Anthony, but he has the emotional (laughs) and mental capacity of an infant. (laughs) But he's an adult. (laughs) Exactly. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. That is going to be important. He did not have a childhood. One more sentence. Okay. (laughs) So... Jughead explains to full-grown Anthony that nobody remembers their old lives in 2023, which is seven years ahead of 2020, but whatever. We're not about consistency in Riverdale. So they decide they should trigger their old memories. Full-grown Anthony assumes a new identity to try to get his parents to remember him. So he pretends to be a serpent from Toledo named, and this is what I was giggling to myself earlier. (laughs) Okay. Roadhead. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I thought it was perfect because he's like so virginal and (laughs) and baby. 
ironic. It's the perfect ironic nickname. And the serpent names are ironic. And perhaps if Fang said, or whoever had just gotten Roadhead instead, (laughs) he wouldn't be there. So Jughead gets his own idea. And then this is where we get the confirmed scene where he digs up the time capsule and shows everyone the items and no one believes that Jughead is from the future Mm -hmm. and that they all are, allegedly. So he thinks to himself, if I can't get them to remember with the things that they love that they have an attachment to, I bet I can get them to remember by what they're afraid of and what their trauma is. So Jughead is going to go around... He's going to try to scare Betty covered in trash bags. Uh, He's going to try and scare Archie wearing a ski mask. Oh, my God. Posing a la Black Hood. He's going to try to just have a talk with Veronica about helicopters Mm -hmm. and try to trigger that memory. All of these interactions are going to briefly unsettle each character. It might cause a mini flashback in the same way that Rivervale characters can remember events in Riverdale if prodded enough, but they're going to go back to their 50 selves and deny having a flashback at all. Okay. Like what happened in Riverdale with the Rivervale flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and then Jughead is despairing at his booth and pops with his typewriter when Tabitha arrives on a bus right outside. She greets him and tells him that she's actually Raphael disguised as Tabitha. okay (laughs) he's using her body because his angelic form would make his eyes melt biblically accurate yeah yes holding in biblically accurate Raphael in (laughs) Tabitha's body uh he tells Jughead what's going on he says that when the comet hit the presence of the ghost train on top of a hellmouth affected by the bleeding of a parallel universe into itself, created a splintering of reality that blurred the lines between life and death. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) This splintering of reality scattered everyone into different alternate universes. Jughead is here alone with full-grown Anthony. (laughs) 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 So triggering memories isn't going to work. He needs to find a way to merge the universes to get back to reality. Raphael is like, good luck with that. Gotta go. 50s Tabitha is going to come off the next bus, but don't try to date her because she's not going to remember you. So Jughead waits at Pops for the next bus. 50s Tabitha walks in, um, a la Veronica and the pilot, with Mm -hmm. a cape and hood. Very mesmerizing, very first look already like stunned with her. Okay. You know, smitten immediately. Interesting. You're a Javitha stan. He's going to stare, get caught, and be embarrassed. And for the rest of the episode, he's just going to be like in the background. This is all going to happen very early. Oh, okay. It has to because Tabitha is a significant part of plot B. Okay. So... It all has to happen pretty soon. So Jughead is just going to be kind of in the background doing quirky things. Um, He's going to move into the trailer because the bunker is too crowded. (laughs) With a fully grown Anthony. Fully grown Anthony crying, I want my mommy. (laughs) He can't handle that. (laughs) Exactly. So he's moving back into the trailer, which is empty. FP and Jellybean are not there. Mm -hmm. Yet. (laughs) just kidding and then he's going to see a newspaper about nuclear warfare 
He's going to get an idea. He's going to go back to the bunker and be like, baby Anthony, like, I have an idea. Like, remember how we, like, separated the universes last time? And that's the cliffhanger. Okay. So that's it for plot A. Plot B. Tony is a new arrival to Riverdale High School because it's newly integrated. Mm-hmm. And she's from Southside High. And at Southside High, she was the editor-in-chief of the Red and Black. So, upon arriving at Riverdale High, she approaches the editor-in-chief of the Blue and Gold, which is Betty. And they decide to be co-editors together. And then, Tabitha arrives in Riverdale, having recently moved from Chicago. This is where the funeral of Emmett Till was. This is where thousands of people showed up to the funeral to see his open casket i forgot she's from chicago she's from chicago so i think she was at emmett till's funeral damn and i think maybe she saw and maybe she talked to his mom who did famously say that she wanted the world to see Mm -hmm. what happened to her baby so tabitha comes in she's like well no one knows about this like we're going to be a part of the press like the press wave that happens immediately after the funeral Mm -hmm. so they're going to try to write this for the blue and gold and principal featherhead does not want them to publish this article because riverdale high just integrated and he wants them to focus on their similarities and not their differences heart hands emoji (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the girlies are going to publish it anyway through the riverdale register we'll get to how in plot c Mm. so plot c is where i smashed everyone else (laughs) so barchi are gonna share a milkshake at pops when veronica walks in dramatically a la the pilot a la the pilot she's gonna have sunglasses and a big hat she's gonna take them off archie's going to immediately recognize her as a movie star and he's going to run up to her ask for her autograph they're gonna talk a little bit and she's gonna reveal that she's gonna be at school with him and archie is gonna be like smitten foaming at the mouth can't (laughs) shut up about her (laughs) so true for his character and then veronica is going to perform mr sandman at the bijou oh okay Just as like a welcome to Riverdale moment, I guess. Wonderful. I'm also expecting her to be kind of nonchalant and avoidant about why she's in Riverdale. Oh, okay. I'm not going to... No, actually, I will reveal too much. I kind of want... I'm hoping for a vampire Ronica moment here. Because why else would she be in Riverdale? I don't know. It's rainier. I want it to be like a Twilight adjacent. Thing. I love <laughs> Vampire Veronica. Oh my God, stop. I'm obsessed. <laughs> so after Veronica's performance, Archie's like, I'm going to learn music and I'm going to woo her. And he, like, Betty's his best friend. They have a lot of moments together talking about their love lives, confiding in each other. And Betty's going to be like, Archie, like, I really want to kiss Kevin for the first time, but I don't want to be bad at it. And Archie's like, yeah, I don't want to be bad at kissing for movie star Veronica either. And so they're going to kiss each other under the guise of practicing. I've heard that story. (laughs) This feels like a movie I've seen. (laughs) 
So they're going to practice for other people. Hmm. And they're going to act like it meant nothing. But for the rest of the episode, Archie is going to be very visually, emotionally torn between Betty and Veronica. Okay. And Archie, for the rest of the episode, is also going to do quirky things like forget his homework and fix his broken down jalopy on the side of the road. (laughs) And everyone's parents hate him. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Next, Betty finds out Veronica wants to be a vixen. So she goes to tryouts and she gets Tony to come along by saying they should try to gain the support of the most popular girl in school, Cheryl, to write their article. They have not remembered their connection to the Riverdale Register yet. Betty is also there, however, to wing woman for Archie to Veronica. Mm. There's also going to be a shot from Cheryl's POV um, watching the cheerleaders very, but I'm a cheerleader, Cheryl's gaze mm-hmm. kind of thing. Cheryl's going to hate Veronica because she's famous and challenges her spot on the popularity throne so she's going to listen in on where this date will be so she can crash it and it's it's gonna be a a double date of archie ketty date at the white worm because tony's gonna be like oh like i know this hip new spot like my friend fangs is performing there okay and so cheryl's going to conspire with julian to separate varchie For the purposes of getting Julian to be with Veronica to destroy her reputation somehow. Do some gossip digging. Interesting. So Betty and Tony asked Cheryl for her support to convince Featherhead to let them publish the article. Cheryl says, well, I don't think he'll listen to me, but Betty, isn't your mom like literally a writer of the Riverdale Register? And they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Cheryl lets everyone into the Vixens. Tony, because she's hot, and they're stealing longing glances at each other. Betty, because she's Tony's friend in this timeline. And Veronica, to keep an eye on her. Mm-hmm. Keep her enemies closer. So later, Cheryl and Julian crash the date at the White Worm. They successfully make some moves, but they're picked up by Penelope, who oh. finds out that they're there. She's very anti-serpent. So after the Blossoms leave... Varchi and Ketty both have a slow dance to Fang's singing Unchained Melody. So Ketty is going to kind of, Kevin's going to leave room for Jesus on that one and zone out. And Betty's going to ask what he's thinking. And he's going to say something like, aw, just how beautiful you are. And then we're going to flash back to what he is really thinking about, which is when he hooked up with Clay in Fox Forest. Oh. And that's the end of this episode. Written wow. by me. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. I love the detail. I love that you like specifically have phrases, things people are going to say. This You've is got gonna, a lot of detail in there. This is going to sound ridiculous to say, but I literally felt like a prophet writing this. Like I felt <laughs> like I wasn't writing it. Like the words were just coming to me and I was a vessel for them. <laughs> Congratulations. You are a writer. Thank you. As Uh, You're like a Jughead style writer. When it comes to you, it pours. When it rains, it pours, baby. I'm excited to hear your version. Okay. Well, I did not order the plots by importance. I ordered them by appearance in the synopsis. That's totally valid. There's there's no points for in order. That's true. 
Um, these all intersect and interweave in different ways. Um, I like how you connected your plot points with specific moments of like when they intersect. I didn't really do that. I just gave like a synopsis of each plot line. Okay. Um, so moving forward, we can adjust how we do this. So it is different than how you wrote it. So just a quick disclaimer. So my A plot. Archie is just minding his business one day at school <laughs> when all of a sudden, who waltzes down the hallway and struts into the student lounge practically in slow motion? Why? It is none other than Hollywood legend in the making, Veronica Lodge herself. Of course, Archie doesn't recognize her for her fame. No, Kevin has to be the one to introduce her and her film credits to the gang. All Archie sees when he looks at Veronica is a pretty face he's never seen before and a new potential conquest. As the town slut, (laughs) as we all know him to be, um, he knows about all the girls in the town already and is excited to get to know someone new, potentially someone with a little more experience than his coy and flirty bestie slash girl next door Betty. He pulls out all the stops for Veronica, shows off his sportsmanship with his letterman jacket, uses all the newest hip slang to show he's on the cutting edge of 1955, promises he can cut a rug just as well as he can shoot hoops on the basketball court, and most of all, flexes with his beloved vintage convertible, his dad's old car that he spent hours fixing up and customizing after the accident. I didn't write write that. (laughs) If we're thinking about the canon, (laughs) that's probably probably the case. Um, She's clearly intrigued by the snazzy small town guy. But as a big time star from a big time city, she's not ready to settle down for the first offer just yet. All the guys and Kevin, in parentheses for gay reasons, throw themselves at her and she has to hear them out. She's that kind of girl. Very quickly, it becomes apparent that Kevin is interested in her more for a friendship than a relationship. And there's just something about Archie's clean cut demeanor that she's not sure about. In the end of this episode, she is still single and making up her mind. Although deep down, she knows there's something about the ginger jock that she can't quite shake. So that's my A-plot. Okay. Archie and Veronica mostly, with some side interaction from Kevin and Julian. B-plot. Cheryl, unlike everyone else in the town, is not pleased with the arrival of Veronica Lodge. With another powerful woman present, Cheryl is losing her hard-won spotlight and is prepared to take extreme measures to regain it for herself. She already has to compete with her brothers, the other two-thirds of the Blossom triplets, um, who are stars in their own right. Jason is the beloved football MVP and heartbreaker of the school. I don't think Polly's there, right? I think Polly is there. Okay. Well, I really didn't write anything for Polly. I didn't write her in because I wasn't sure. (laughs) Meanwhile, Julian is the academic genius whose poetry and sensitivity bring all the girls to their knees. This leaves Cheryl in a constant fight for attention as her grades are high but always a few points shy of Julian's, and her athletic endeavors and cheerleading are always diminished as a mere supporting act for the main event of the football games. Needless to say, Veronica threatens to overshadow Cheryl in yet another fashion. To counteract this, she begins spinning webs of chatter, 
mobilizing her team of paper shakers, which is what they called cheerleaders in the 50s. Oh. <laughs> I did a lot That's of slang research. research. Yeah. <laughs> um, to disperse rumors about the starlet more effectively than even the tabloids. One of the rumors mentions that Veronica is only in Riverdale for its proximity to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, who are, no doubt, helping her manage an unfortunate problem that tends to occur in lifestyles of excess. You think she's pregnant or spreading a rumor? I did think of this, but I was like, no. I think that's going to be the talk of the town. Okay. I don't think she's actually going to be pregnant. though. She's really a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) That's more logical. (laughs) Unfortunately for Cheryl, all of her attempts at defaming the star are unsuccessful as Veronica is quick to intercept chatter and fire back in defense of herself. The very attitude that may or may not have been part of her big Hollywood departure. In the end, the tensions linger. Although a ceasefire is called in the rumor mill, is shut down for now. I like that we both use, we both assumed that Cheryl would use gossip to yeah. destroy Veronica. That's like her primary weapon. It's going to be either that or a spell. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's going to be a bigger later reveal. I think so too. So then we enter the C plot. So right before the return to school for their junior year of high school, two deaths occurred. First, the murder of Emmett Till in late August, and second, the accident of James Dean on September 30th. The latter shakes Betty Cooper to her core. She is a big fan of his films and also his face. An important thing about Betty is that she is nothing if not deeply compulsively heterosexual. She loved James Dean so much, she even found a boyfriend, Kevin Keller, who resembles him as much as one possibly can within the borders of Riverdale. She is also the editor of the school newspaper and plans to start off the new year with a beautiful obituary for James Dean that could have basically come out of her fanfic-esque diary. But when her friend and fellow journalist Tabitha side-eyes this idea, Betty learns about something more pressing, something bigger than all of them, the murder of Emmett Till. Though her parents are journalists too, Betty's life is highly censored, and she didn't even know about the lynching until Tabitha explained the events to her. As a self-proclaimed empath, Betty agrees (laughs) with Tabitha that it's more urgent to tell the story of Emmett Till, who was murdered, an entire month earlier. Tabitha drafts the piece, Betty understanding that she needs to make space for black voices to be heard, but Principal Featherhead cancels the story. Although the trial is ongoing and speaks volumes on the soul of the entire country, the principal is a racist and threatens canceling homecoming events and shutting down the blue and gold altogether if they should continue to publish the story. The two girls need all the help they can get and bring the newspaper's resident photographer, Tony, into the conversation. She helps them devise a plan to blackmail Principal Featherhead with the damning photo evidence of an illicit affair in order to twist his arm and let them publish the story without any repercussions. Ultimately, they succeed and share coverage on the trial, create a new column in the newspaper dedicated to important news on the civil rights movement, and get to keep their homecoming sock hop. However, Principal Featherhead is unhappy with their little stunt, and tensions continue to build with him as a future potential threat. Which brings us to the D plot, the final plot. (laughs) All the while, Jughead is confused. Are they really in 1955? Is this the real 1955 of their primary universe, or have they popped into a parallel universe while also jumping back in time? 
He has so many questions, and when he goes to school for the first time, it becomes clear that nobody has an answer. In fact, nobody else remembers the night of the comet or any of the events leading up to it. He goes around talking to her friends, realizing that everyone has a very different relation to him in this existence. He's, he's still Archie's best friend, but not a part of the football team, so they don't hang out as much as they used to. He and Betty are more mutual acquaintances through Archie than anything, and Kevin is possessive of Betty when Jughead tries to talk to her, clearly trying to claim her as his and not up for the taking by some weirdo with a crown hat. Even Tony, his old chum from the Serpents, only knows him as the son of the Serpent King who is off-running things in their Toledo branch. So he's in this timeline, but just in a different city. I need we, Skeet to be back. We both have Toledo <laughs> in our episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to try to convince his friends of their time travel, he digs up the old time capsule from their prime Riverdale and shows them all their items, even spawn conning Spotify to try to get them to believe him. They brush him off as a weirdo with an overactive imagination. The next few days continue this way, with Jughead trying to find evidence of time travel, understand the new era he's in, and find a way home. This is a very lonely existence for Jughead, who spends his evenings combing through the boxes of comics he found in his trailer, remembering how in Riverdale Prime, the interior of their minds were organized in comics and desperately hopes to find a clue within them. While he's reading and finding nothing, straight raw-dogging a can of beans he found in the cabinet, (laughs) um... The guardian angel of Riverdale, Tabitha, appears to him. She tells him they have gone back in time and he needs to wake up his friends in order to get them back to their time. She can't tell him much about where they are, why it's the 50s, or how to get back, only that her powers are limited and she only got this far because of Cheryl. Their chances of survival are slim and the fabric of this universe is a loose thread beginning to unravel, so he must work quickly. There are dark forces working against them, and their survival of Riverdale is in his hands. And that's where we cut to the end. I love that. That's so good. Thank you. It's very different. I forgot about the use of blackmail in Riverdale. It's a trope. I kind of put that in my bingo. <laughs> very interesting. In some ways, very similar. Mm-hmm. We'll see who has the more accurate episode next week when we watch, review it for all of you, score it. And give our predictions for episode two. I am so excited. I can't wait to watch the first episode. It's going to be great. Literally, after The Last of Us ended, I was like, what am I going to have to like live for anymore? Like, I need something <laughs> on a weekly basis. I need that like once a week hit of dopamine, you know? <laughs> um, so it's going to be nice to have Riverdale. So, so looking forward to it. Also, just as a note, we're recording this on Saturday, March 25th. So if there are any new details about this episode, we have not heard them. This is from our own brains at this point in time. I'm sure spoilers are going to come out right before. Thank you for doing this episode with me. It was really fun. Yeah, it was nice to finally like vent our ideas. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can't wait for the next one. Wednesday can't come soon enough. We'll see you after the airing of Don't Worry, Darling. Ciao. Ciao. 
Special thanks to Ben Chatwin for the iconic intro music. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave us a review and follow us at Riverdale Writers Pod on all social media platforms. If you are at all involved with the production of Riverdale or just want to say hi, email us at RiverdaleWritersPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. TTFN!